Is Justin Herbert the Chiefs kryptonite? Are the Bills and the Rams the new leading candidates to win their respective conferences? And are the Bengals maybe sneaky competitors to win the AFC North? Is Justin Fields complete trash? All of that on this week's week three recap. Let's hit the opening bell. All right, welcome Kings to week three's recap. We had a bunch of action this weekend, a bunch of favorites almost going down, but somehow 66-yard field goals were hitting crossbars and going in with no time left. What a bunch of lucky betters on the Ravens. Um, So as far as performance this past week, week three, we did fairly well uh, in general. We went five, three, and three in our playbook for the Sunday playbook uh, game of, game of the week was split um, the recommendation was get Vikings early offense was going to play well and get Seattle on the comeback obviously that comeback did not happen so basically more or less you would have probably broke even if you played stack those bets um, or if you you know if you held them and you didn't uh, flip on to Seattle try to middle there you uh, might have made some money there so um, doing good on the season there and as far as market performance, uh, how did betters allocate their cash in week three and how did they perform? So the Chiefs was the third most cash heavy position. Obviously, that went down in flames again. Um, seems and like that. Yeah. And that's after week two when they were the largest pick, uh, cash allocation across the market. And those betters just got taken to the woodshed. It's amazing. It to, like it's and, and, and I, I love that on our calls this past week, we because we all feel it. We all feel the Mahomes love in our veins and because he is amazing. But it doesn't mean that the team's good. It doesn't mean that the defense is good. It doesn't mean that the team is ready to, to win another Super Bowl right now. And we clarified that. And so we went on to the Chargers. Um, so I, I just love that we recognize that, like, we know we love Chiefs. This line is wrong. It's too big. It doesn't make any sense. Just back the Chargers. They have a good quarterback, good team, good coach. Boom. Easy peasy. Um, and besides that, I mean, most of the the heavy market players, you know, they hit the Cardinals hit, the Bills hit. Um, Raiders barely missed. Uh, obviously, that game was a little wonky. Raiders probably should have pulled away, um, but it didn't. So... Raiders market might be a little butt hurt this week. Um, and then besides that, uh, for the most part, the rest kind of played out as I think most people expected more or less besides those close games like the Bucks, uh, Bucks Rams, maybe. Um, yeah, as far as uh, Circa and um, our survivor picks, how did those go, Brett? Yeah, so we went four and one this week. Our picks were Dolphins, Chargers, Falcons, Saints. So cash, cash, cash. And then our one misstep was the Jets, which was never competitive. We had it at the plus 10, ended plus 10 and a half. Uh, Broncos were the largest survivor pick in in the the circuit survivor uh, with almost 50% of the pool picking the Broncos. So it was just a massive upper alpha opportunity to really uh you know make a lot of headway and just none of it materialized I and mean, the jets were never competitive the one thing that 
I expected to materialize did, which was the Jets were going to play a lot more conservatively and that this game was not going to be dictated, you know, by another four interception game from Zach Wilson. That was right. But it was so conservative to the point where they really couldn't do anything. And I mean, the Jets have played a lot of, you know, back to back to back, you know, tough defensive lines. And this offensive line is definitely one of their biggest weaknesses. Um, so, you know, certainly a justified loss, you know, I'll, I'll definitely, you know, we'll own it. And then across some of our other picks in our other contests, we also had uh, a lot of lions exposure. Uh, so the plus eight, you know, that easily cashed. Um, but the Ravens were, you know, like the third largest pick in the survivor. And that would have been really nice to get all those suckers washed away. And they completely lucked out this week, you know, total gut punch there for all those people who didn't pick the Ravens and, you know, were savoring that juicy loss that never came to be in. Well, and especially because we had the Ravens slated as our pick for week three going into the season. But as Mm -hmm. this week materialized and obviously the injuries coming off the KC victory, you know, playing a a Lions team that was underrated and on the road. And, you know, we basically took ourselves off the Ravens back to Lions and actually then pivoted to the Cardinals and took them, you know, from our Christmas slate um you know holding a team over for the christmas pick so you know we were feeling really good as that game kind of came down the stretch because we literally took ourselves completely off it and pivoted Mm -hmm. away from it so but yeah and part of our analysis there was and you know and everyone should be doing this is you know when we were kind of discussing what were our picks going to be for circa and then what was our survivor pick going to be when we were thinking about Bills, Cardinals, Ravens? We were thinking, well, we're considering betting the Lions spread. Uh, we're considering betting the Washington spread. So if we're interested in those spreads, then we're there's very little wiggle room by then picking the opposite side to win straight up. Whereas we weren't even considering betting the Jags. In fact, I think it was one of your, you cannot bet the Jags Mm -hmm. uh, this week. And it's kind of still kind of like moving forward. You could not bet the Jags. So when we kind of blended those two analyses, it was like, well, we got to pick the Cardinals then because we're not even interested in betting the Jags. Whereas we are interested in betting Washington. We are interested in betting the Lions. And if we're interested in basically fading our own straight up pick against the spread, you know, that is inconsistent, uh, uh, you know, market views. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of how we leaned then into picking Cardinals. Got a little dicey there for a little bit, but the Cardinals were clearly the superior team. I mean, if they don't give up a 109 yard kick six, uh, you know, Cardinals win this game by almost 20 points. Um, it was pretty pretty comfortable win for the Cardinals, and they didn't even really play that well, um, I'd say. Yeah, and that's kind of uh, that's so what we expected. I mean, we, we thought it was a tough week. I mean, we expected Cardinals to be a little flat overall. Yep. 
the, yeah. the real. And that's why it wasn't an easy decision. Yeah. Like we were kind of going back. So, cause we didn't think really any of these were slam dunks. Yeah. Maybe Cleveland, but I think we wanted to hold on to them for later in the season. Yes. We wanted to hold, hold them for, uh, for one of the holiday weeks. Um, yeah. So that, that was good shape. And, and what, uh, we spoke about, we'll finish with the kind of our performance here is, you know, I, every week I do a, um, you know, teams you cannot take. And I posted to Twitter around Thursday, Friday, and went 5-0 and this past week of teams you cannot take, right? And it doesn't mean you have to bet the other side, but what it means is there's no there's no material signal that says, okay, this team is backable, right? Like the spread may not even come into play or it's a bad situation. Um, and so that, I think, is 10-4-1 on the season, which I believe is over 70%. So if we followed that strategy in contest play... Maybe that's the way to go. We'll see. We'll see how this no, season I think plays I, out. I, I, I definitely like this because, you know, this is something that, you know, you'd flirted about with doing in past seasons. It would kind of mention it every other kind of few weeks. Like, oh, well, what if we did this? Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, this is definitely a team you can't bet. What if we kept track of that? And, you know, and so it's, you know, it's interesting to see now, you know, if this is going to be the first season you're actually keeping track of it on a week to week basis. And it's, yeah, it's an interesting strategy. I know Sharp Clark, Josiah, you know, someone who we partner with a lot in kind of handicapping, kind of this brain trust between the three of us. Um, he's also kind of participating in this little uh, idea of yours. And uh, and he's doing really well, yeah. kind of using this sort of strategy. And again, it's kind of like this reverse thinking. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this kind of continues to play out over the course of the season. Well, just to touch on this, the reason I like this from a, like, a mental kind of fortitude of approaching betting is just in general, or just uh, handicapping games, any game, any event, is it's kind of like when you're investing money in the stock market or anything, is what am I not gonna buy, right? Like, let's say you see an old beater car. Like, you, well, you know you're not gonna fucking buy that piece of shit. Like, you just, like, so like, let's just establish right now, I don't care if it's $500. I'm not, there's, there's poop stains on it. It like doesn't have a paint code on it like like i'm not buying that car i don't care the value of it like there, there comes a point when something like oh there's value in it no there no there's not there's, there's not value in it like yes it can win yes the jags could have beat the cards or you know at least covered whatever but like it doesn't make it a good bet it's it, like it doesn't like you're not going on any tangible reality of information you're speculating on something that has no basis and so that to me is kind of like a starting point of like clear thinking around how to see these teams fundamentally is like KC was one of my teams you could not take this week. Could KC have won? Could they have gone to overtime, maybe covered somehow? Maybe. But the reality is the Chiefs have shown you thus far through this season and through the end of last season, their defense is not that good. So the Chargers offense can take advantage, which they did. They Chiefs haven't won by margin for what 16 games in a row they're three and 15 against the spread or something so you know they're laying six and a half points Chargers have played them tough the last two years you know one in overtime one they won straight up so like what are you going on like why how can you back the Chiefs at minus six and a half it makes no sense doesn't mean you have to back the Chargers but like you have no basis. You're just like guessing. Like so so literally it's a you're guessing at something that has no track record or just a terrible signal that you're betting 
Like you're just doing it blindly. And that's that's how this to me kind of functions. And that's why I kind of like it because it's just like, hey, let's just establish what we're not going to do. Because that mm -hmm. sometimes the best investment is not making an investment. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. So. No, and I think what's interesting about the approach to put it even more succinctly is that since these are binary options, you know, it's either team A or team B. There's no third option that most people handicap the games on, well, which side do I think is going to win? And basically your approach is coming in through the back door and saying, well, which team can't win? Mm -hmm. And so it's the same conclusion just from a different angle. And it just requires this like different type of thinking, but you can still sometimes you kind of unlock this kind of like secret door of insight when thinking through this sort of alternative lens. And then you can come up with these sort of conclusions. And so, yeah, you know, be continue interesting to see how that continues to play out over the course of the season. You and Josiah both, you know, kind of doing that every Saturday or Sunday, tweeting them out, uh, you know, again, some really interesting insights. Let's close with our performance recap by summarizing how we are performing in Lee Sharp's prediction game, which mm. I've been raving to you kind of, you know, uh, behind closed doors, how much I love this game. I think, again, it, it really illustrates a lot of the types of skills that you need to be a sharp portfolio manager. And in this case, sportfolio manager, uh, because it's not just about picking who's gonna win. Mm -hmm. It's about having the next layer of insight of tilting your selections up or down relative to market positioning is how you're ultimately gonna win this game. So uh again it, it it it's super fun it's kind of a, another unique way of you know making predictions across the nfl season that aren't just purely spread related the competition is great it's super fun there's 700 plus people involved uh and so far you know you and i are are doing fairly well um and we you know we kind of expect to do so obviously um over the course of the season and, and so far sitting in week three um you know kind of summarize your your performance then i'll, I'll do mine yeah, in, the, so, in a minute yeah so uh you know i think i'm ranked what 46 overall out of what 700 people um beating the market which is is important and, and the market's done well uh two out of the last three weeks so and that, and that basically what that means is the market is is saying like the favorites are going to win 67% of the time, and then when that happens, because not a lot of big favorites are going down, you know, the market does well, right? So, like, it's easy to be on par with the market when the big market favorites are winning. When mm -hmm. that starts to go the opposite direction, you want to be in position, which we plan to be, of mitigating risk, so we're not getting blown apart when the Ravens do lose to a Lions team, yeah. which that would have been a negative 25, 30 Huge. points yes. for the market and, and maybe more for some people who over leveraged. Whereas us, we were low on the exposure, only lost like eight points with the Ravens pulling it out. So it's it's kind of like a situation where, you know, 
we obviously would have capitalized a lot of alpha had the Ravens not got a 66-yard field goal. But, you know, those will play out over the course of the season, and thus kind of the cream will rise to the top in theory yes. as the season goes. Yeah, no, and we'll see, especially following the weeks, when we see some big favorites lose outright, that's when we'll see who's wearing no pants. That's who will kind of, as the standings start to flush it, itself out during those weeks, you'll see really who is intelligently allocating their kind of capital accordingly. Because that hasn't really happened so far this season where you've had that big favorite losing outright. And so anybody who's overly levered to the the, the super favorites, they've not been exposed yet. In fact, they're actually being rewarded right now for that. But the way this game works is if you over lever to a big favorite, or if you over lever to anybody, is you'll make some points, good job. But if you're wrong, you're going to get shredded. You're going to lose, you know, 4X what you otherwise would have made levering to the upside. So there, there is this asymmetric risk and you want to properly size your confidence when positioning on these games. And again, those who have been reckless have not been exposed yet, but they will be. And, you know, looking forward to those weeks, again, when three big favorites kind of all lose and the entire standings are going to be completely turned upside down. Uh, unless there's people in here who are, are, you know, again, there's there's some sharp people in here, no doubt. Um, it's predominantly uh, analytics heavy betters. Um, so we'll see how that ultimately performs. What we've seen is there is not a strong correlation between being ultra analytics heavy and being a successful better because mostly a lot of those handicappers uh, overemphasize data and discount nuance fundamentals. And we know that, you know, football games are not computer programs. And again, we leverage analytics, no doubt, obviously. And it should be a major part of your handicapping process, but not all of it. And if it's all of it, you're going to get wrecked over the course of a season. That's one of the reasons why we don't see a lot of these handicappers who are just purely model-driven handicappers. They might have a good season, but then you know just fall off the map or you just don't hear from them after a few couple of good weeks because that's just not how you know it's not how football it's not how sports betting works but yeah uh zach so you're in 46 you got 166 points i'm in 110th i have 132 points again this is out of 750 people so you know we're definitely near the top there um and you know basically from my results is, you know, I had the Bengals winning outright. I had the Falcons winning outright. I was underweight KC. So the market lost 25 points. I lost five points. Um, I was, um, and basically what it came down to, one of the reasons why, you know, what hurt me this week was not being overly leveraged to some winner. So I was underweight Denver, you know, underweight Baltimore significantly. 
which ended up hurting. Uh, underweight um, Vegas. You know, I, I actually had Miami kind of winning that one straight up. Uh, and then oh, I was a little bit too much exposed to the Bucks, and that that kind of hurt me there. Um, but yeah, so it's going to be like super fun to continue to kind of follow this over the course of the season as well. We'll provide again like these kind of updates here over the course of the season for this as well. But let's dive into recapping week three. Let's do it. So if we're going back to week three, let's start at the top. So Carolina Houston. Now, obviously, I think we can kind of look at these weeks with an eye on the future. So not just what happened, but kind of like what happened that's that we can take away into, let's say, week four and moving forward. Obviously, Carolina had some injuries. Um, Christian McCaffrey looks like he's going to be out. And in this game, um, you know, the, the Carolina defense played strong, played well. Um, but I think David Mills had some better performance than people expected. But they just couldn't capitalize because they got behind and, you know, playing, playing maybe one of the top five defenses in the NFL, which is also getting banged up now. Um, yeah. yeah, any any takeaways from you from this game? Um, and a lot of these games we're going to be re-watching over the week. You know, we haven't necessarily caught all of them. So um, we're definitely going to be catching up and providing some updates on, on Twitter and, and, and whatnot to help sort this. Yeah. No, I think... Um... You know, we liked the Panthers. We had the Panthers as our survivor pick. So we got past that uh, as our second survivor pick. So we have two entries. So we had Panthers and cards. So we're on to week four, um, as most people are, unfortunately. Uh, but my kind of key takeaways from this is, yeah, you have to be cautious about betting the Panthers moving forward, given some of these injuries. Uh, JC Horn also looks like he's going to be out for the year now. Um, DJ Moore was also banged up in this game. He came back, but you know, he could be less than a hundred percent. Caffrey, like you mentioned, is going to be out multiple weeks. Um, so that changes a lot, uh, on the Texan side, you know, we really like the under on this, uh, and that cast pretty easily. Also, I, I don't know. I bet the alt under. Uh, with the plus 200, that also hit. Uh, I think the, my biggest concern for the Texans is they got a sneaky good defense. Davis Mills is not as bad as the market thought, as you mentioned. Uh, you know, his completion percentage over expected, you know, plus 6%. You know, so he's completing passes that you think that maybe he shouldn't. Uh, the offensive line was an issue. He was under a lot of duress, a lot of pressure. And also the play calling from the Texans is ultra conservative to being negative ev so that is also concerning just from a broader kind of future since betting perspective um but so i want to see obviously more david mills also this was on a short week so given just the broader parameters i just think that this was a pretty good performance from the texans it was close all the way leading up into halftime um, I'm not downgrading the Texans and I'm probably downgrading the Panthers a little bit here just again, because of the broader injury situation. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And, and again, those, those, especially those injuries to, to Darnold's uh, best weapons. I mean, that's, you know, to give some credit to the Darnold haters because we're, we're all about being fair. Um, but rubbing it in when, you know, we're right is, you know, Darnold is not a top 10 quarterback. Okay. It's fine. 
Is he a top 20? Sure. Can he be top 15? Yeah, maybe. But the point is, is well, when you lose Christian McCaffrey, when you lose a DJ Moore, when, you, when your weapons are, are being sacrificed, now we're getting to a point where, okay, you know, Sam Darnold could be a top 15 QB with the weapons. Without the weapons, we might get some reversion back to, you know, kind of Jets flashbacks. Not to that extreme, I don't think. Um, but I think, to your point, Brett, I'm glad we use Panthers in our survivor because especially with these injuries and the defense getting a little, probably a little more banged up, giving up a few more points, more pressure is going to be coming on Sam Darnold to perform even better. And that probably is not a good thing. So looking for spots to fade the Panthers in the coming weeks is probably a good time. Um, and so that's what I'll be yep. looking for, for sure. Yeah. And, and we'll see how the market adjusts to it, mm -hmm. of course, because if the market over emphasizes some of these injuries then obviously you can you can still find some opportunity sure, there sure. uh panthers traded for cj henderson from the jags unfortunately the sam darnold the dan arnold connection is now gone uh because that was just fun to say um cj henderson number one draft pick uh from the jags just last year out of uf is certainly underperformed no doubt uh but this is <laughs> And what I've talked about a lot in our preseason previews for years, actually, for the Panthers, is how David Tepper, the Panthers owner, its fund manager for Appaloosa Capital, my professional idol, uh, loves to source undervalued assets and with limited downside based on current market value with still high upside. And that's exactly what CJ Henderson offers. Maybe he sucks. Maybe he's not good. So, so be it. They, you know, you got a, a first rounder for him, you know, by trading a, a, a third rounder. And they also got a fifth rounder in, in, in exchange as well. So this is, you know, relatively low cost with potential high upside and you need secondary help right now. So maybe a change of scenery, different coaching. You can start to extract some of that raw talent that CJ Henderson has. He's still young enough to continue to be molded. So we'll see. Um, but I think, you know, good trade. Another good trade by, again, one of the sharpest organizations, I think, in the NFL. One of the reasons why I've talked about, you know, last year and when David Tepper bought the team that I thought within the next five years, he's going to be able to reconstruct this team in a way that the Panthers are willing to compete for a Super Bowl within five years. Hmm. I like it. Um, next up, we have Washington at the Bills. I want to lead out on this one. So I, man, I tell you what, there's always these games. I feel like every every other week, there's a game or two that's like just super obvious of all of the what we call square sharps. And it doesn't mean that they are square sharps. It just means that the handicap logic of taking a side is predictable from sharps or like people who are typically sharp, but are following falling into the square narrative of the week, which is basically like, yes. here's a big underdog who I'm getting like through a key number. And I think they're actually better than the market thinks. And the other team's not as good as the market thinks. And I'm going to bet them because that's what I do. And it's like, it's like a square thinking from otherwise sharp individuals, like sharp betters. And that was Washington this week. That, that like, and it, all week I was kind of like, 
why 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 does anyone like washington like where well we we, we opened the we kind of leaning into washington yeah. you know especially i think when we were recap when we were re or or kind of offering some of our forward-looking guidance when we we're previewing the next week we saw at the time washington was like plus nine and a half like oh my god it's, it's, like, it's like too much i like definitely lean washington and then you know two of those points then got evaporated over the next day um it started to consolidate at that seven and a half seven point line and we still ended up having one one washington pick across our contest selections but yeah to your point our our conviction in that which on a Monday was like, oh, we need, let's get a lot of Washington exposure. It just continued to drip lower and lower and lower and lower and lower to the point where we we ended up only having, you know, very minor exposure to, to that to that game. And then for largely for the reasons that, you know, you're articulating. Yeah, because, and I think of the assumptions, part of the assumptions kind of fundamentally were, were Josh Allen regression is real, which there was only two games. There's no way to know if that's actually real. And then that Washington's defense was going to perform good. I mean, they they were terrible against the Giants. Like, I don't know. Like, and, and that's the Giants. And I don't know if anybody knows, but I mean, I'm, I'm so bearish on the Giants offense. So, and I mean, the numbers kind of, you know, speak to that. But, you know, there, there just was no, there was no like intelligent handicap as to why Washington was going to be competitive in this spot, in this game with T Taylor Hineke, who hasn't really played like quality road games. Like, you know, I think his best performances were, have been at home so far. I know the Giants game, but I mean that, you know, it's it's an in-division game. I don't, I don't consider Giants a relevant football team. So I don't know. I, I just always thought it was a fishy spot to just kind of like ass the assumption of hammering Washington um, and it, it played out kind of basically how I thought it could, which is Josh Allen played really well. He had, you know, his completion percentage over expected was very high. So he's seems to be improving. Um, and the, the Bills defense besides, you know, uh, what an Antonio Gibson 70 yard screen pass or something, you know, played pretty on point again. You know, I, I, I'm not sure Bills aren't the best team in the AFC to be, and, and I've I'm a big anti Josh Allen guy, and I've been forever, but it's getting to the point where I I'm forgetting, I, and I think the reason the market was on Washington too is because that Pittsburgh game is the assumption is Washington's defense is Pittsburgh's defense, uh, Pittsburgh's defense, and I'm to the point where I think maybe the Bills are the best team in the AFC, and you know I, I want to see how the next couple weeks play out. And obviously the Chiefs are gonna make a run and be fine, but it's just if if not the Chiefs, who? It's either mm -hmm. I mean the Browns, the Bills. Yeah. No, and we never downgraded the Bills so far through the first couple of weeks, even though some did. Even following 35, nothing trouncing of dolphins. You know, it was an uninspiring 35 to zero. Um, and then certainly the disappointing. Uh, week one performance versus the Steelers, which again, the Bills looked pretty good through the first three-fourths of that game, or looked like the better team, for yeah, sure. For and then sure. it kind of just somehow, of, <laughs> like again, like I think I described as, you know, watching that game, I don't even know how Steelers ended up winning that game. <laughs> like it kind of just happened. Um, but one of the things I, I wanted to call out that you mentioned there too, is, you know, the ammunition that a lot of the bears on josh allen like to cite is 
his completion percentage. And, you know, that was 76% in this game, 13% above expected. So that is just dumping water on that argument, uh, or at least, again, for, for this week. Uh, so we're going to want to continue to see how, how that plays out. But yeah, Josh Allen had an awesome game, um, you know, 17.8 points uh, or EPA, uh, 10 yards, average depth of target. So he, he's, he's throwing the ball. Um, you know, not just all dump offs or anything, which was the exact opposite for, for Taylor Heineke this week. Uh, so yeah, a lot of positive takeaways from the bills. I'm not necessarily downgrading Washington necessarily after this performance. I think, you know, when you talk about one of the reasons why we ultimately ended up pulling back on Washington is you want to understand what is the market narrative around these teams? What's the market handicap on these teams and on this matchup? And if your handicap overlaps with that, then you have no edge. And that's one of the things that, you know, is is how you need to source your bets is you need to find those games where you have an angle that isn't being properly priced by the market. And the things that you talk about, well, Washington's defense is overrated and their secondary, you know, sucks. In fact, I think that's coming, it's all starting to be absorbed by the market so now that's not going to be an accurate uh, mark or, or kind of betting angle anymore. Is well, the defense is overrated. No, in fact, I think the defense is now not overrated. In fact, it might be. I don't know if it's going to be underrated, but I think the broader market an assessment is that their defense is overrated. But if that's the market assessment, then it's not overrated. Yeah, you and, know. And, and that, but see, uh, that that's my question from Washington: is is the market off, because they weren't off them, right? So, like, the reason kind of, like, they were backing Washington, more like, you know, square sharps, was because the assumption that the defense was not overrated. Like, you know, they were just, had a bad game. My question is, is, like, how, how much are we downgrading Washington's defense? Well, and also the downgrading of, of the Bills well, that's, and the yeah, Josh and, and, Allen. In, in accordance, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But so, moving forward, what is Washington's defense? I mean, they, they really have been not good three games to start the season. And I don't know, and they had extra time to prepare for the Bills, a struggling Josh Allen, and I mean, they got torn apart. So I don't know. Yeah, but again, to your point is the Bills might be the best team in the AFC. And if that's the case, losing to an explosive team like the Bills by 20 on the road is justified. Mm -hmm. If, the, if Washington is the... 19th best team or whatever then this is totally fine yeah. so i don't think you know i'm i personally am not downgrading washington after this performance um and i'm not so unchanged unchanged on both these teams that's a good point and I, honestly i think i i personally will upgrade bills because i've been lower on josh allen than i think the market but i i think based on how the AFC is playing out in this coaching staff and this defense, I think it's okay to, and again, that Pittsburgh game, they, I mean, if they score one more time, they probably end up blowing out Pittsburgh, right? Like just like the game flow was right there for them to like run away with that game. And, yeah. and so, yeah, I, I think I'm upgrading the bills because I was lower on them than the market. Uh, next, next up Chicago, Cleveland, Dear God, somebody help Justin Fields. I don't think he's ready to 
be behind center and spend 12 seconds waiting for something to happen. Yeah. No, I think that's the main takeaway here. And, you know, the broader market narrative is this is all on Nagy. It's all on the offensive line, you know, and absolving Justin Fields of really any responsibility. And, you know, when you zoom in to some of the data, it does not support that narrative. Uh, so the Bears offensive line is obviously not good. I don't think anyone's making that art. But it has done an admirable job over the course of the season, given with the limited nature that they're able to work with. Uh, you know, when it comes to providing um, uh, uh, time in the pocket, right? They are top 11 over the course of the season. When Justin Fields specifically has been behind center, they've provided him with on average 2.7 seconds to throw, which is ranked 15th in the NFL. So these aren't great numbers, but by no means are they terrible. Everyone wants you to think that the Bears have by far the worst offensive line in the league and that the franchise and the coaching staff and the offensive line is just setting up Justin Fields to fail and that he's just getting thrashed with, you know, again, outside of his own accord. And that's just not the case. The, Justin Fields is the, his biggest criticisms from people like me and Josiah and you and, and others and, and, and Corey, uh, you know, uh, 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 um, is this dude holds on to the ball way too long. He locks in on his first read. He's he's not quick about processing the field and therefore is generating a lot of these sacks. Now, he's not necessarily responsible maybe for all of them, but a lot of them. Now, again, responsibility can go wrong, can go uh, around. There's enough incompetence here uh, for everyone to eat. So offensive line still has issues, but it's then this also goes on Justin Fields. And of course, the play calling has not been good either. And the Bears is one of those teams that I feel like right now is you cannot bet. You, especially with Justin Fields behind center. Now, if they make some weird uh, um, audible to, to Nick Foles, which I cannot see happening. There's like some headlines around there that implying that that could be the case. I cannot see that that happening. Um, but with Justin Fields behind center, you cannot bet the Bears, in my view, um, until you start to see some maturation or at least some better play calling that kind of leverages his legs more uh, and that he's not continuing to lock in on his first reads just over and over and over and over again. And the receivers probably aren't getting open either. And so that's contributing to it. Uh, but, you know, just a preview, like look ahead, I see Lions plus three versus Bears right now. Early in the week, that looks super attractive to me. Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting. I mean, it, it's it's funny because like people tell you what they really think if you just pick up on what they're telling you. Like there's a reason why Matt Nagy's been like, no, no, Andy Dalton's our starter. Like, shut up. Like, go away. Like, we're not playing Justin Fields right now. And it's because, like, he could see it. Like, th th he's not ready. Like, I, you know, you're more bearish on Justin Fields than I am. But, I mean, I think we're. it's pretty clear that he's, he's not ready. He can't, for whatever reason, like, he's just, he can't read the defense 
fast enough. He doesn't know when to get rid of it. He's just his timing is not in rhythm with the NFL speed, even though he said it was seemed slow to him. Um, uh, oddly, it's odd, it's odd that he's the one that said that, Mister Eight Sacks. Because he, because again, like he has this warped sense of self, mm. and that is a bad combo, too. When you have an overinflated sense of self and you suck, mm. interesting. Because then that that is not ripe conditioning for making improvements swiftly. Mm. Because you think you're in the right, and it's everyone else's fault. Oh, it's it's. You know, I mean, I'm looking at his CPOE, negative forty percent. I've never even seen that. It's like breaking. Well, did they? Spot. Didn't they only? Didn't they have like two yards net passing yards or something? Like I mean, like it's it was like, I don't know, historically bad. I mean, his his negative his EPA per play was negative half a point. Ooh. I mean, that is literally bottom bucket of the league i mean again negative 40 percent cpoe so he's supposed to complete based on his situation and the way the game played out was expected to complete on the passes that he threw 70 percent and he completed 30 percent oh that's bad i mean that's honestly people make fun of tim tebow that's tim tebow worse oh that's worse hmm interesting well, anything take away from the Browns, or is this just kind of like a layup <laughs> slam dunk? Well, I mean, I would say, if anything, the Browns should have, and I, I, I need to rewatch the tape, but, you know, from like watching, you know, the clips and all that stuff through, because um, usually on Sunday, I'm watching like NFL Red Zone or I'm at a bar or something like that and kind of watching a lot of the, the games all at once and not necessarily absorbing everything from one game on a standalone basis. You know, we do that over the course of the week when we rewatch them. Uh, so from my preliminary take is, I mean, the Browns should have probably beat the bears by even more mm. because the Browns failed, I think on fourth and one twice early on in the game, Baker Mayfield getting sacked by like Khalil Mack, et cetera. Um, and so, I mean, if they convert those or just kick the field goal in, in those instances, um, you know, that's adding even more points on, on the board here. So this was a thorough Bouncing. Um, so I, I doubt there's when I rewatch, I, I doubt there's probably too much to take away from the Browns just because the Bears right now are one of the worst teams in, in the NFL. Yeah, for sure. Um, next up, Baltimore at Detroit. So a team that you've been backing, getting more and more bullish on just from a able to compete standpoint is the Lions. And now they're yeah. what two and three in covers and probably should be three if there was no rain. Um Against yep. Baltimore, which, you know, obviously the probably the flukiest game of the year we just witnessed, um, you know, get, not getting called the uh, delay of game right before the field goal kick, getting that fourth, <laughs> yeah. that fourth and 19, getting a 66-yard field goal to bounce off the crossbar. Obviously, you know, this was a dead spot for the Ravens, we all know. KC was their Super Bowl win, monkey off the back type type play. Now they were on the road playing a team that was bottom feeding, not going to take seriously, don't really care. And they were injured, injured and had COVID issues. So really, it was really the perfect storm of like, definitely Ravens should have lost that game. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, but Lions came up short in the end or Baltimore came up short, but got over the hump, I guess. 
however you want to frame yeah. it. Um, what any takeaways from this? I mean, you know, I feel like Lions well, I mean, struggled for ha half the game, though. They didn't really do much. Yeah, they did not perform as well as I thought they would. Um, I mean, one of the things I was talking about, you know, and, and, and you implied earlier was, you know, I tweeted after the Lions Packers game that if that game does not start, if it doesn't start raining and kind of derail the Lions game plan and strengths, uh, and then exacerbate the Packers strengths with that overall environmental conditions that the Lions, I think, could have won that game straight up. You know, and then again, in the second half of that Niners game in week one, thoroughly outperformed the Niners. And you can come up with all these different reasons on why that happened and, you know, excuses like, oh, well, the Niners, you know, kind of did went to prevent defense. It kind of gave up and they were already winning by 20. So they just let them come back. You still have to execute in order to do that. And if anything, if the Niners let them do that, it, let, it allowed the Lions to actually start to develop some chemistry with some of these new pieces in order to do that. And then they came out in the first half of the Packers game and looked awesome. And then we're beating the Packers. Uh, and then it started to rain and then everything kind of went to shit in, in the second half for, for the Lions. Made them have to rely more on the run game, which they're not good at. And then, you know, really handicapped their passing game, uh, which was their strength. And so I thought that the Lions would come in and play competitive versus the Ravens in this game specifically, again, because of all those reasons that you said that we're playing against the Ravens. Because by no means do we think that the Lions and Ravens are equal teams. Of course not. Uh, but it was this was the right set of conditions for the Lions to play competitively versus the Ravens. And what we saw was they ultimately should have beat them. Um Jared Goff didn't play great, didn't play terrible. Uh, when you look at some of the EPA metrics, he basically he played as well as Lamar Jackson did. Uh, what I would say is, is you know, the Ravens, I think the Lions should have covered this game. Uh, Lamar Jackson got, you know, through some good passes here and there two of which were big that dropped by his wide receivers and people could say like oh well if they didn't drop those then they would have you know ended up winning by like 10 or, or you know whatever double digits the thing is is those drops are not inconsistent with the performance of those wide receivers they drop balls so that can be part of your handicap because hmm. those <laughs> i mean you can't again like oh well, they drop well if they don't drop balls and they happen to drop them then yeah you got lucky but these receivers drop balls. That's part of when you're evaluating the matchup. You can say, well, I can probably count on like a few drop balls over, uh, uh, you know, a t an average team because that's what they do. And hey, and that played out. Perfect. Bang. Part of the handicap played out. You know, so you don't want to come up with excuses that are unjustified to try to say why this should have played out differently. Now you can say Justin Tucker shouldn't have made a 66 yard field goal because literally no one, he's the best kicker in the game. So if anyone should have the record, it should be him. Sure. But no, that's a record breaking field goal following a play that they should have been called a delay of game. So which should have put, pushed it back another five yards. It was clearly delay of game. It was like a second and a half pass. On game over too, I think, isn't there a 10 second runoff at that point? Yeah, I think that may have been the case as well. And and even if, if it wasn't, I, I'm not sure how the rule plays there. But 
then that turns a 66 yarder into a 71 yarder and we can see that you know it's unlikely he would have no. had any extra umph on a 71 yarder um and if it was the exact same kick then we know for sure it was going to be short because since he barely made the 66 yarder so the bottom line is i like what i saw from the lions i wish they played would have played even better and i think the i don't think you can downgrade the ravens per se from here either because again this was terrible conditions for them in this in this game and so now moving into next week versus the broncos you know that's going to be a, a really interesting one yeah for sure um moving on to arizona at jacksonville um our survivor one of our survivor picks arizona um kind of played out not how i expected but the end result looks like it is how you expected um you know cardinals went 31 19 what that that field goal long field goal try i haven't seen the play yet um jacksville returned for a touchdown curious to see that um trevor lawrence threw that pick six yeah with with zero zero time on the clock yeah, right before half half. yeah yeah so basically once again jags get a special teams touchdown and they still lose by double digits so again mm-hmm. another you can't bet this team because when you have those types of luke plays break your way you should be in position to at least cover. They they can't they can't. So you can't you can't bet them. Well, you, there's nothing to bet. So, I mean maybe maybe I think I think there's coming a point soon that Jags will be bettable. I'm still not sure we it's week four. Um, but yeah, we'll 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 keep an eye on that moving forward. Any takeaways from you? Um, I mean again, this was one again since there was so much back and forth. You know, uh, we really. Um, you know, we're struggling to make our survivor pick. I think that's reflective of not of just the realization that there was that this was not going to be a super clean game for the Cardinals. Um, even though they're, they're better, they're the better team. We just, you know, we we have watched and bet enough NFL to know that you know these. That this is this was like the type of game that you were probably going to have to sweat, and you certainly did. Even though again they ended up winning by margin, they probably should have won even by more. You know, you look at the the winning percentage over the course of the game. You know, there was a period of time there late in the third quarter where the Jags' win percentage was seventy five percent. So you're looking at it from that point in time, and you're probably not feeling very good about about this. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the cards get their own kind of pick six and, you know, and kind of just, they were, again, they were still clearly the superior team, but there was enough kind of wackiness to go on in this game to make you sweat. Um, and that's kind of exactly what happened. I would say probably not too much to take, take away from, from this game. Jags again, still didn't play well. Uh, and I think the Cardinals just did what they had to do of win this game on the road if anything it shows maybe a little bit of maturity in the overall kind of to meet head on the adversity of things not going your way kind of through 75 percent of the game and still you know not overreacting not getting desperate still kind of playing competent football and just playing it out saying we have more talent we have you know the, the better skill players here 
And if we just kind of keep going according to plan, we'll end up winning this game. That's exactly what happened, and, that, and that's what they did. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe I upgrade the the Cardinals just a, just a little bit based on that. You know, it's a nice road victory for still an NFL team, mm-hmm. even though they're the worst NFL team. Still a win on the road. I like it. I dig it. Next up, Chargers at Chiefs. Like we said, another one of my, you can't bet this team, Chiefs laying six and a half points, and they lose by six points. I wonder why. So it looks like Justin Herbert outplayed Patrick Mahomes. Again, I'm not going to say I'm a Herbert truther, but I think I am. I think, I I mean, he's he's still young. He still makes some mistakes here and there. But as far as just his decision-making, his poise, you know, putting himself, his team in good positions, I mean, Chargers might be, a, if Herbert keeps this pace, Chargers might legitimately be a threat to dethrone the Chiefs. And we have a kind of Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady next potential 10 years of back and forth. Who's going who's gonna to conquer who? Um, oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, a couple of years ago, last year, maybe even a little bit this year, you know, trying to compare like, oh, Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes is like the next great quarterback, no. you know, rivalry. No. Lamar Jackson is I mean, again, he's really good at running and like he's like a highlight reel type quarterback and yeah, if you get in kind of like the right position with the right matchup, team struggles stopping the run it can almost be kind of like unstoppable and like kind of like that the but the the ravens chiefs game from last week is like vintage how baltimore can you know look really strong uh great justin herbert way better quarterback than lamar jackson and i would much rather build my franchise around someone like justin herbert than Lamar Jackson. And yeah, Herbert Mahomes, that could be a long-standing rivalry into the future. Uh, Justin Herbert just looks better and better, kind of like every week shown not even, you know, again, like he's going to make some mistakes and, you know, threw some red zone interceptions last week and over the course of the season. Uh, you know, but that's, you know, again, those aren't not things that you would necessarily downgrade him on. Um, you know, that's just a young quarterback making those types of mistakes because he redeems himself with some incredible performances, then, especially, you know, in a game like this. And there is just way too many Chiefs apologists out there. I mean, all I'm hearing is that, well, if the Chiefs don't fumble and if Mahomes doesn't throw this these two picks and if they don't do this, and if they don't do that, then the Chiefs are 3-0. And... I heard, you know, the simple handicap dude saying, well, if this and if that, then, and the Chiefs are 3-0, and then people are comparing the Chiefs to the undefeated Patriots team from 15 years ago. What? I mean, no. I'm not. This defense still has tons of vulnerabilities. If the Chiefs were 3-0, and people would be saying, if this, if that, if this, the Chiefs could be 0-3. That's what they would be saying. Because they would know that if the Chiefs were three and zero, that they did it you know, like barely by like the skin of their teeth. Mm-hmm. Now they've played three good teams, and now they're one and two. The thing is, is that they're not having that. And again, they should have lost to the Browns. So really, the Chiefs should be zero three. They should be zero three. In fact, 
Because the Mahomes picks that he's thrown late in games and the fumbles, again, those are not, they were not interceptions that went through the receiver's hand and it kind of like wasn't Mahomes' fault. These were like forced throws in bad positions. They're, they're bad throws. That's what they were. Bad decision-making. The fumbles by Clyde Edwards-Lair and things like that. And this week and last week, he does that. It's one of the reasons why he's not on the field maybe as much as some of his, you know, the his fantasy uh, uh, buyers and the bulls on him would want him to be. It's because he has that vulnerability. He showed it last year as well. So these are not things that should not be priced into your handicap. And they, they should. And one of the things we talked about in the preseason and following week one was about how the league and every team in the AFC West is basically built to to beat the Chiefs. And every single team that plays the Chiefs is like their personal Super Bowl. They're going to get everyone's kind of best crack. And not just their best game plan, but again, the whole roster construction is continually being defined by... How do we beat the Chiefs? And now it's happening. Because, hey, remember, what's been happening, in fact, in years past? Now, the Chiefs playing close games, that's not unusual. In fact, they've been the beneficiaries of close games over the last two years. In fact, they probably won games they shouldn't have won in the last two years. Now they're losing those games. Yep. Why? Because the competition is now that much more advanced, that much purposefully, strategically designed to make sure that they play well versus you, the Chiefs, specifically. And now you're not able to get just enough to end up squeaking those games out. Now they're losing them. Again, this by no means is like some, uh, like, oh, the Chiefs are going down. (laughs) The Chiefs are still one of the best teams in the NFL. The thing is, is they're not going to win all those games that they were winning in the past because we have started to see cracks in the Chiefs over the last year and a half. And that's exactly what we're just we're continuing to see. Mahomes is still by far one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Chiefs are still one of the best teams in the NFL. But the it's 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 not as much as like the Chiefs are worse. It's that the competition has risen. Well, and, and, and you got and look- so therefore the between the Chiefs and the next team up has compressed. And so you got to take that into consideration in your handicaps moving forward. Chiefs should not be touchdown favorites versus a team like the Chargers. No. no. And we exploited that and, and, and got those wins. Yeah, I think you summarized it. Next up, Saints-Patriots. So I was on the Saints early in the week. I, I don't think I ever understood the line, to be honest. I know you ended up, you were on the Saints as well. You know, the, the game finished 28-13, but the reason is because it seemed like the market was assuming that the Patriots were as good, if not slightly better than the Saints. But just from like a straight up uh, situation on neutral field, I mean, I mean, they're not. I mean, Saints had the better quarterback. Saints had the better defense. Saints have comparable coach. So the line just never made sense to me as if it was priced as if these teams were even. Um, and that's kind of how it started. It seemed like the game played out. I'll have to rewatch it. Uh, but any takeaways from this game on either team? Uh, what I would say is I, I would pat ourselves on the back for having a pretty good pulse on the Saints. 
I mean, we basically bet on or against them every week so far. Mm. You know, we bet on them week one versus the Packers, you know, being undervalued. Then we faded them versus the Panthers, thought they were overvalued. Then we come right back and buy them as I think that they're undervalued again versus the Patriots. Um, so, you know, we've been buying them as underdogs, fading them as favorites. Each one has won decisively in our favor. Um, this is one I definitely want to rewatch to really see how it, it ultimately played out. I'm looking at the stats. You know, Winston doesn't look like he necessarily played very well. I think, you know, our thesis on, you know, Coach Payton really putting the handcuffs on him, trying to play him as conservative as possible. Now, a little bit of bad Winston showed himself versus the Panthers last week, you know, spinning around in a circle, lofting the ball up in the air, getting it picked. Uh, doesn't look like that necessarily showed itself, showed up here. The Divas was obviously healthier, a little bit more so this week as well. Got a few of those coaches back that were on the COVID list last week. So this was, you know, fundamentally a different team than last week when we faded and burst the Panthers. Uh, and it really showed up here, really exploited the weaknesses of a rookie quarterback like Mac Jones, who this was, you know, kind of by far his worst game on a season to date perspective. Uh, it just, it, this was definitely Saints or bust. I don't see how you could possibly betting the Patriots. I think one of the reasons we leaned into, another reason we leaned into Saints was, because, you know, we want to take, uh, um, you know, evaluate what's the market narrative on this game. And then if we d disagree with that narrative or think that it's therefore then mispriced, then that's a great way to exploit and capture value. And one of those market narratives, you know, we were talking about was, oh, well, Bill Belichick at home, he's going to exploit the weaknesses of Jameis Winston. And maybe old Jameis Winston, yeah, sure. But Coach Payton controlled Jameis Winston, yeah, maybe he gets out of line once, and that could be enough to, you know, compromise the game. But I think everyone was discounting Peyton-controlled Winston and was evaluating as Belichick's going to exploit him the way he, he did versus Zach Wilson last week. Mm -hmm. And we, we you know that wasn't part of our handicap. Ours was, well, if that's, the, if that's why people are betting the Patriots, let's fade that. Yeah. So there was a lot of reasons to bet Saints. Glad that we did. Well, and, um, and 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 on the other side of that, the assumption was that Mac Jones would not run into any rookie issues facing a very underrated and good Saints defense, getting Marshawn Lattimore back. And that and that so those two points, I I think you know basically if you can pinpoint, well, QBA is going to underperform, QBB is going to overperform market expectations. I mean, you, you really can't get much better edge than those than two both ways of how a QB is going to perform potentially. So, yeah. yeah. Well, this was another game, too, where Mac Jones was put in the situation of trying to come back from behind. Mm. Yep. So, you know, so he hasn't, you know, from a large deficit. So he hasn't been really put in that position. So you could continue to kind of have him play very conservatively. So his average depth of target in this game was 12. So that was by far the highest that we've seen from Mac Jones on a season-to-date basis so clearly trying to force the issue a little bit more so trying to come back from behind that's not his four day obviously at least yet um but you know you want to closely still monitor i think the Patriots are still one of the better teams in the afc but they're going to be this type of team 
that they're going to be it's going to be hard for them to come back from a deficit especially mm. i would say in the front half of the season when mac jones is still a little bit raw but i think right now i want to continue to evaluate how the market is repricing teams i'm thinking that they might be downgrading the patriots now a little bit too much downgrading mac jones maybe a little bit too much and I, there's still definitely going to be value in in betting the patriots versus uh, certain teams, but again, not a team like the Saints, where you have an elite defense versus a rookie quarterback, and it's still and and two when it comes from the coach to coach evaluation. I mean, it's a it's generally a push. You know, Sean Payton is definitely one of the better coaches in the league, of course. Uh, so this was definitely Saints or bust. But again, I think there's going to be opportunity to still bet the Patriots uh, moving forward. And uh, next up, Falcons at Giants. So this was kind of a crap shit game. And uh, somehow the Falcons end up pulling it out after Giants had, what, three injuries in the first quarter to some key starters. So not obviously, I don't I don't think you can really say much about the Giants. I think those injuries are going to hurt an already bad offense and team. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then No, what I would say, like, these were two very evenly matched teams. And I feel like there's a lot of people who are unabashedly bearish on the Giants. Like, oh, it's so easy to be bearish on the Giants, but are reluctantly so on the Falcons. I just think like this just demonstrate these are like mirror images kind of of mm. each other. In fact, I, I don't know. I feel like the Giants are probably a little bit. I know you really hate the Giants. I know you hate Daniel Jones, but Daniel Jones and Matt Ryan's numbers are basically identical, yeah. um, especially in even in this game. Both, you know, 0.2 EPA per play, average depth of target, you know, around, you know, the four to five, six range, total EPA for the game, both around eight and a half. Uh, you know, completed percentage over expected, you know, essentially, you know, almost break even. Like, uh, this was a game, to your point, Giants lose Blake Martinez in the first quarter, you know, one of their best linebackers, and he looks to be out for the year now. So that's a, definitely a big loss. Uh, Sterling Shepard goes down, Darius Slayton goes down. So two of the, the wide receivers that he has, that Daniel Jones has the most chemistry with, both out in the first mm-hmm. quarter. Uh, so those are some massive losses. See, even still, this game was close all the way down, you know, to the final quarter. Um, so you can make the argument, should the Giants be favored versus anybody? Probably not. This game should have been pick them. So probably Falcons plus three again is, was still the right side. And that's why we bet it. But there was so much variance and volatility to this in, in a kind of a bad team versus bad team that we ended up, you know, cashing the tickets on the Falcons plus three. But I would be totally fine like saying that, you know, evaluating that pick, you know, if we're going to kind of chalk it up as a good pick or bad pick, I would say it wasn't necessarily a bad pick, but it was a pick we shouldn't have made. We yep. should have, because there was, a, this was not a week where we were kind of, again, stretching to find value. There was multiple games that we liked and we should have substituted this one for, you know, one of those. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think much to to say on this one. I want I want to rewatch the tape, but it, you know, it seems like Atlanta's offense still can't figure out how they should function. Um, but next up, Cincinnati at Steelers. Um, Steelers laid another egg. Um, this team might. I, I'm coming around. I, I think obviously week one was definitely fluky, and maybe this is what the Steelers are. Is Big Ben? Well, is the thing washed. is, is, the week one wasn't even that fluky. No, it was terrible. Because again, remember, like I said, they didn't even look good. Oh no, they they look like they look terrible for three quarters. Yeah. Um. 
No, I saw, I, I, I have to rewatch this one as well, but I saw a little mini highlight reel of Big Ben's plays and man, they looked bad. So I don't know if he actually was that bad. I imagine he probably was. Uh, but in this like little minute and a half highlight reel that I saw, it was like laughable how bad he was. He's he's washed. So, he's, he's I, like, and, and I think to give credit to the Steelers haters last year is I was just, I was just riding the defensive train. But yeah, Big Ben will make a couple big plays and the defense will carry him. And that's kind of what happened until the end of the season. Until what really started showing its head is that offense was putrid behind a bad offensive line and a bad Big Ben. And I think that's just kind of what the reality is this season. Is if the defense is banged up and they're not going to hold teams to 13 points, mm -hmm. I don't, you can't back the Steelers. This offense with Big Ben... Like, I, I don't know. I think it's time to even just, I mean, screw it. Put Mason Rudolph in. Let it be what it is. I, I don't, I just don't. Or Dobbs. Dobbs is their quarterback, right? Three? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Or Haskins. No, Haskins is on their team. No, no. You can't go to Haskins. We can't keep Big Ben. No, because the thing is, is Roethlisberger is at least not making, like, tons of mistakes. He just sucks. He just sucks, yeah. Haskins will literally make mistakes like tons of mistakes you're not even going to be competitive you're not going to hang in these games true yeah and then, and then Bengals. i gotta i gotta get a better this team has hurt me the last two years and I, it's it's because i know zach taylor's terrible as a as an in-game coach but it doesn't mean he can't improve from mm -hmm. being terrible and it doesn't mean that he doesn't have a roster that can make him look good when mm -hmm. he doesn't deserve well and two remember bob with the Texans. Yeah, Sean Watson carried them to playoffs and almost beating the Chiefs on the Super Bowl run. Yeah. I mean, again, we, yeah, we saw Bill O'Brien, like that was always the handicap for that team was that, man, like there's players on the field that can win games for them. It's just, man, the coaching's so bad. Like, <laughs> you know, they were winning in spite of the coaching and maybe that can be the case, you know, with Zach Taylor and the Bengals. And obviously the Bengals are by no means that like that Texans team. But one of the, our handicaps going into this matchup was the Bengals' defense has been sneaky good. Top 10 defense in almost every single kind of metric that you would evaluate a defense from, uh, which was really flying you know, under the radar in a serviceable offense. You know, obviously, Joe Burrow, you think they continue to get kind of better and better. Yeah, Played really well and the in this game. Eight, eight. Uh, eight points uh, 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 of EPA, 0.35 EPA per play, 12% above uh, completion percentage above expected. Uh, so he had a good game. Roethlisberger, negative uh, seven points EPA, negative five uh, CPOE. 67, oh, I mean, like throws. Holy, I mean, or, or plays where... He was involved in you know, kind of dictating overall like expected points. I think he threw the ball like 58 times. Ooh, 10 points throwing it 58 times. How does it even happen? Like, what do you throw? Like, because he's throwing it in the ground or above wide receivers' heads or out of bounds or. Well, and, and, you know, like, they lost Juju during the game, so now they're they're thinner at receiver. Yeah, I think he's gonna be back though. But but yeah, in this game, yeah, yeah. this this was this was an ugly one, and there was a lot of negative line movement kind of price action that we saw that was another reason that kind of there was multiple reasons that wanted us to keep off the Steelers broadly mostly negative line movement 
we thought the Steelers were going to be a very popular pick. We thought the like the minus three, minus two and a half was going to attract a lot of, you know, kind of Steelers truthers. Um, so there wasn't as much market support as I thought there, there was going to be, like, especially in Circa. Uh, but there was multiple reasons that kind of kept us off this one. So, you know, obviously pretty pretty glad that, that we did, as this was not really ever competitive, in fact. No, yeah. Um, next up, Colts at Titans. This one finished, I mean, it was pretty close mostly through the game. I think Titans kind of held the lead throughout. But then um, Colts had a chance to cover late, didn't. Um, I mean, I, I don't, I think this was a game that it was probably Titans are off. You know, Colts, it is true that like, you know, teams, teams get so banged up and they're just putting bad spot after bad spot that like Colts are probably have gotten closer and closer to a team that like, you just kind of got to wait and see like yeah, what's, what's the situation there. Whereas the Titans coming off a big impressive win at Seattle coming back home. Like they obviously figured out some things on offense. So you, you had a reliable kind of constant with Tennessee that um, even though you were laying five and a half potentially, probably best either Titans or lay off the game. I, I ended up laying off entirely. Like it wasn't even part of the Sunday playbook just because of the awkwardness of the game and the spot and the injuries. Um, so yeah, I, I'm going to rewatch it, see what we can pull away. But um, both these teams have been a little bit of, I think, a wait and see but Titans, I mean, Titans have, you know, reeled off two in a row, two impressive covers. Um, it, I mean, they obviously are probably the best team in that division at this point. Yeah. Um, especially with, with, you know, with an offense that knows what they want to do. They have, quarterback knows how to play that that base system, even though it's changed a little bit with Arthur, from Arthur Smith's departure. You know, obviously Derrick Henry, um, A.J. Brown, I think, got banged up, though, in this game. So that's something to watch. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't have too much to offer here. This is one I didn't watch too closely, but you know, again, looking at the stats, Carson Wentz negative eleven percent CPOE, negative five point six EPA. Uh, you know, it was questionable whether or not how well he was going to perform. Market narrative of Wentz is that he sucks. These numbers make it look like he sucks. <laughs> uh, and the O-line is now getting banged up. Uh, Quentin Nelson went out in this game. Going to be hard to see like how much longer, how, how long he's going to be out. Uh, but with a gimpy Wentz behind a banged up O-line, that is not attractive. Uh, so they're you know playing Miami next week. I think, yeah, the Colts might be a, a team that you need to lay off on and kind of see how this continues to stake out over time because there's not been a lot of buy signal on the Colts. Um, yeah, I agree with that. Um, even though we bought them versus the Rams last week. Um, Jets at Denver. Obviously, we whiffed on this one. I mean, the, the, we basically our handicap on this was overly rudimentary, but it was Wilson cannot play worse than he did versus the Patriots. And the market assumption was that, yes, he can. And the Denver defense is just as good, if not better than Patriots. So and, and, and it was. And so basically what happened is what the market thought would happen, which is Denver's defense would smother the Jets offense and they'd score about 20 or so points and they'd win by margin. 
And so we tried to predict something that like hadn't been proven really yet. And that was that Zach Wilson would, I mean, he had a decent half-ish versus the Panthers, but he's had mostly bad football. <laughs> mostly just not consistent, doesn't know what to do with the ball. Like, mm -hmm. it's just, he's, I don't this whole rookie class, I'm not going to, like, even um, your boy from the Patriots, I, I'm, I'm not certain any of them are going to be starters in five seven years uh, like it could be that bad and no i don't First know you can't possibly make that assessment this this early on I, again, it is too early rookie quarterbacks are not justin herberts or patrick mahomes i guess you know, i get hold on i guess you are right we are spoiled because of these and, and even carson Wentz's first year right like you know some of these quarterbacks like come in and they're like oh that, guy, that guy's pretty good already so and obviously with yeah. coaching and then you know help from that side of things but it's just been the rookies oh, have, yeah. been, I have, think been, it's, have it's, been really bad though so far yeah you know i would say i mean there's been nothing positive so far from players like zach wilson justin fields i haven't seen a lot of trey lance yet um even trevor lawrence obviously has not looked good but i think you know typically like peyton manning you know like throw like 30 interceptions you know his rookie yeah. year like Typically, the rookie quarterbacks don't play. Yeah, I, I guess I guess the I guess. outliers that there has been some like incredible rookie years. <laughs> yeah, I guess in, he, in the most recent past. Yeah, I guess you're. I guess we're just spoiled thinking of yeah first year QBs coming in hot. Yeah. Which which I so mean, I, is, basically the takeaway from this game is yeah. there was a market narrative and it completely played out. The Jets played terrible kind of on both sides of the ball. Teddy Bridgewater continues to really impress. Now, the Broncos have played three of, like, the worst teams in the NFL in back-to-back -back -back games. So, you know, when they play the Ravens this week, you know, again, that's going to be a really illustrative game on how you want to handicap kind of this team moving forward, whether the Broncos are really for real or not because Bridgewater's numbers are pretty amazing week in and week out and so you can only play who's on your schedule and so the Broncos are decisively beating bad teams and that's what they should they should do so the Broncos like you can't just say well the Broncos played the three worst teams so you know maybe the Broncos aren't aren't even that good no the Broncos are good because they're crushing the teams that they should crush that's what a good team should do if a team that isn't good is a team that flirts with, you know, having a more competitive game versus those bad teams. And the Broncos aren't doing that. Good point. Um, yeah, so it'll be a big test this week if Ravens... I kind of got to see how healthy the Ravens are for this game. Um, initial lean would be Ravens, though. Um, just because, like, to your point, Denver had... Like, who have they played? Like, we don't know how good they are yet. Um... Next up, Miami at Raiders. Ended up closing three. I mean, sorry, the game finished at three points, I believe, in OT. Raiders pulled it out 3-0. Raiders 3-0. Hardest schedule in the NFL, 3-0. That's pretty good. Um, they have a shot to make the playoffs. Any any takeaways from this game? I know it was a wonky game. You know, Miami jumped out early after, like, a 78-yard interception return or something. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I would say, you know, Dolphins was one of our picks. I would say this was, we we're lucky to get this win. 
this cover. Uh, I think the Raiders clearly outperformed the Dolphins, a pick six by the Dolphins. You know, with when the Raiders were in their own red zone, kind of about to score was, you know, a massive, you know, obviously that's a 14 point swing right there. Uh, I think the Raiders were clearly the better team. They should have probably covered. Uh, happy we we ended up getting the win, but I'm probably, I, I want to watch this one on a more play-by-play basis, but I don't think Brissett played very well when looking at the stats, you know, 2.2 uh, total EPA, negative uh, 4% CPOE. Uh, so not great numbers. Um, and the Raiders kind of continue to overcome adversity, win these types of games. Really impressive. I'll say I modestly upgrade the Raiders after this game and probably downgrade the Dolphins. I know you probably might not downgrade the Dolphins because you've been lower on the Dolphins than I have been. And so far it's looking more and more like, you know, you're closer to being right than I was. Uh, yes. Yes, I am. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think the Dolphins coming into the season were super overrated. Um, yeah, next up, Bucks at Rams. I'm curious to watch rewatch this game. Um, you know, it was only what 14-7 at the half, so you know, Bucks only got seven points. You know, Rams end up pulling away. You know, I think in hindsight, we ended up kind of leaning towards the Bucks, even though we knew the market was kind of like really heavy on the Bucks. Is I was under the assumption, I mean, it, it kind of completely speculative that the Bucks, you know, revenge game, blah 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 bullshit. But in reality, I think kind of like if you really look at the spot, like, you know, they were missing Antonio Brown, which just makes the Bucks offense a little more out of sync. And then the Bucks play the Patriots next week. And I don't know if you guys have heard, but Tom Brady used to be a Patriots quarterback. And I don't I'm not sure that this was a game that was really cared about. Um, based on kind of the game flow and how it played out, only seven points in the first half. Like, obviously they cared, but I'm saying like preparation, focus, detail. Like Rams, Rams, this is their Super Bowl. Like this is, this was the, if we win this game, we we know we can go to the Super Bowl. For the Bucks, they already know they can go to the Super Bowl. They already know they can beat a team like the Rams. Like there's nothing to prove. They're going to the West Coast. Like, so in hindsight, I, I think this was really just like, this was a little bit of a dead spot for the for the Bucks, mm-hmm. um, and should have picked up on that. But, um, but yeah, that's my takeaway. No, yeah, I, I think this was one I didn't really watch too much. So I'll have to rewatch it. But yeah, I think all those points, you know, are you know super relevant in, in this sort of matchup. I think the look ahead spot to your point, the uh, you know over prioritization of importance more so for the Rams in this particular matchup, the loss of Brown, disruption of chemistry. Gronk also just got hurt in this game. That was something you couldn't necessarily know, but you know, it's just the other things that kind of played into it. Uh, the Rams were pretty much, I'm looking at the win percentage chart and Rams were pretty much in control of this game, even if it was somewhat close. I mean, I would say probably for 80% of this game, Rams were favored to win. Uh, Josiah, he was on the Rams. Uh, we didn't really have, we didn't have any Bucks exposure. And I think, you know, not only did we miss, a, we because we leaned the Bucks, 
but again, some other handicappers that we like to pick their brains, they leaned Rams, so that helped us stay off Bucks. And then also we just were we were we were just wrong, even about the market's appetite for this game because we thought people would be leaning into the Bucks, and actually that's one of the things that kept us off the Bucks as well. And in fact, the Rams were you know a top five pick in circa, hmm. so indecisively so it wasn't really even close it was almost double um so you know we were just kind of off on that evaluation as well um but yeah definitely someone i'll have to look look re-watch the tape on i don't think i'm moving the needle on either one of these teams i think one of the things i had mentioned to you when we were kind of previewing this game was i'm like if the bucks aren't gonna lose this game and like like i are the bucks gonna go 17 and 0 if they're going to lose a game, this is as good as any game to lose. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and that's what happened. Yep. And then uh, next up, Seattle at Minnesota. Um, this game was really close back and forth in the first half, and then Minnesota ran away with it. Not what I expected. Um, again, that was the game of the week that we had slated. Um, but yeah, I'm curious to see how this played out down the stretch because I'm surprised Seattle didn't find any points in the second half. Got shut out. <sighs> Yeah, and, and one of the things I'm a little bit disappointed in why we didn't bet the Vikings in this one is because, remember, like, our broader macro view on the Vikings was very bullish. In fact, we thought that there was value in betting them to win the North. Yeah, yeah. I think, hey, they're only a game back. And they still definitely can, yeah. But hey, but if that's the case... When it's the Vikings and you're getting plus one and a half at home yeah. versus a capricious team like the Seahawks. Yeah. You know, they're super wishy washy. Then you should be betting that. Yeah. No, and yeah. we did. In yeah. fact, if we if we were gonna make a bet in this game, we were gonna bet the Seahawks. I mean, I I, which I, I think I, that this is one of our the biggest short-term weaknesses uh, uh, in calls. Again, we didn't lose any money on it. We didn't ex make any exposure to the Seahawks, but I know we leaned to the Seahawks and it was something we considered betting. In fact, we shouldn't have been doing that. We were prisoners to short-term performance and actually fading our own broader macro views yeah. with that analysis. Well, and that's why I think I started the week on the Vikings and I moved to, to Seattle just and, and, and not just a, just a lean, I guess. And, and in part, once Cook was out, even though Madison's a very capable replacement, um, I think that was kind of like, well, Cook's out. Like, oh, that changes everything. When like, eh, it doesn't change everything. Like, you know, um, especially against a team at versus Seattle in this spot. So, so the Madison is definitely a good backup. The other thing, this is two games in a row now, two miserable second halves from the Seahawks. So that's something worth. Mm. Monitoring. It's almost like when the the gimmick long uh, passes that lock it get locked. Oh, that's down. a great point, actually, too. And Lockett got hurt in this game, and that's by far mm. the wide receiver that uh, Russell Wilson has the most chemistry with. Who he looks to when he needs to be bailed out. Who he can throw this like deep lofts and kind of they just are you know connected. You know, <laughs> like they know what each other's are gonna is, is gonna do, and. You know, one of the great one-two punches in NFL. And with that gone, that's another big blow for the Seahawks. Mm -hmm. Very big. Um, and the next up, we have 
uh, Green Bay at San Francisco. So not to out anybody, I, I have to rewatch this game. There were some handicappers who were heavily into San Francisco. I bet Green Bay at plus four when I first saw the line, um, right, I think it was last Sunday, because it never made sense to me. It, it, it to me, it, to me, the handicap and the price was suggestive of. Ah, here we go again. Packers on the West Coast against the 49ers. 49ers are going to smoke them. Like I, I like, I, I, and to me, it made no sense because the you know the 49ers uh, key positions, a lot of them are banged up. The running backs are banged up. Their defense is banged up. So like. I don't know. I, I just didn't understand that like Packers are going to get 17 points and 49ers are going to score 31 again. Like that's going to, it's going to happen. It just seemed like there's such strong conviction and it just didn't make any sense to me. So I'm glad we were, I, we, you know, we in general, we were on Green Bay. I don't think we put in anything uh, specific other than I, I bet it. Um, no, yeah. I think we wobbled there at the end where we almost flirted with putting the Niners in and it was basically based on nothing. <laughs> yeah. It was basically based on like, uh, again, sometimes we, we flirt with doing this. It's just like, you know what? Maybe we're just wrong. Maybe we should just fade everything that we think and just go the other side in this game. And we almost did that, but we didn't. Ooh. Yeah, and uh, and and that's so that wraps up this week. Obviously, we have the Eagles Dallas coming up uh, upon this recording um, soon, and then let's hit on next week real quick, and we can wrap out this week three reca uh, recap. Yeah, I think we can go through again, like just the preview of next week, because the one thing is, you know, we our evaluation and our analysis. You know, there's certain handicappers out there who. You know, like to bet the opening numbers right off the bat and, you know, this and that. And, you know, that's just not our approach. We've been successful doing it. Um, in fact, even if we get sometimes the worst of the number, the actual positioning is so much stronger mid to end week than it is in the beginning of the week that, oh, well, I got 20% closing line value, but I keep losing all my bets. Like, it's not going to do anything for us. And in fact, so we just think that our positioning, our thought process is better later on in the week. So kind of like our leans here that we can kind of like articulate right now, you know, those could totally change. But yeah, let's just give out some of our kind of initial initial thoughts here. All right. Well, so uh, Jags Bengals play Thursday. We have Jags plus seven and a half total 45. Any initial can the Jags be bettable is the question. Yeah, I don't think the Jags are, are bettable yet. Um, and, but I mean, the, I think the, the can't bet is the Bengals minus seven and a half, mm -hmm. uh, on Thursday night football. Like, yeah. I don't know if that the Bengals are there yet, you know? Yeah. yeah they now they play close with the Vikings. Now that's looking better and better, you know, for, for the Bengals specifically, um, you know, now go on the road and play a tough opponent, uh, and went outright decisively. You know, it's still impressive. Um, what, what did the Bengals do in week two? Slipping my mind. Well, they lost to the Bears. We bet the Bears. Oh, yeah, lost to the Bears. Yeah, in which they almost came all the way back and won. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Due to Justin Fields. Um, 
but yeah, I, I don't think they're not ready to be seven and a half point favorites. So this is like, yeah. Um, next up, Washington at Atlanta. Minus one on Washington. Yeah, this is already moving around a bit. Yeah, I think it's I kind of been going. I think before. I already placed a bet on Washington. Check on when it was even. I I don't I I mean it's probably closer to a toss up, but I, I Atlanta just hasn't figured something out yet, and it's concerning. Um, yeah. Their defense is bad. Whereas Washington, like we don't think that their defense is as bad as it's been playing. Like eventually it'll at least be average. Um, yeah, that's kind of my. No, I like I like Washington. <clears throat> I like Washington here. Um, Detroit at Chicago. Detroit's was plus three. It's moved to plus two and a half. Yeah, I did already. This is one that I did fire on as soon as I saw it, knowing also knowing that it was very likely to start moving in the other direction. So took Lions plus three. I think the Lions at this point in time are decisively the better team. So I think this should be pick. Um, and by getting that field goal is very attractive yeah i guess the only counter argument i would i would say is golf on the road yeah. getting pressured by that bears defense if, if they yeah, can Khalil mack went out in that bears game i think he came back but gonna have to monitor bears defensive health that's obviously their strength yeah. so if the bears defense is banged up in any way that opens the door even more for the line yeah i would say though if if, if bears defense is going to be healthy in this this game in the spot it's probably a layoff for me um I mean, if this drifts to one or pick, then it's more fairly, then you can maybe consider the Bears. But I think at three, you cannot. Yeah, the Bears. that's a good point. Um, Titans at Jets. We have uh, Titans minus eight. But Jets are playing a defense who's not very good. So who knows? This will, and too, the Jets have had a very tough first three weeks. So Patriots. Broncos, Panthers, three tough defenses. This will eat by far be the, the easiest defense. Ah, oh, it's so hard to to bet the Jets, of course, but I don't know. Maybe plus yeah, eight. We saw. I probably lean plus eight. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, we saw we saw life in Wilson and the Jets' offense in the second half versus the Panthers. Yeah, that, we keep citing that though, and it keeps getting farther well, no, no, and farther no, no, away. But, <laughs> Yeah, but it, but look who the two defenses they played since. They played Bill Belichick and Vic Fangio, which even Josiah pointed out, like two of the more complicated defensive schemes that, beyond talent, like just like figuring out, like, I don't know, where's that safety going? I don't know. Shit. Uh, I threw it. Whoops. Like, yeah. Titans are definitely not going to have that. Yeah. Um. Next up, we have Cleveland at Minnesota. Cleveland minus two on the road. Gonna have to monitor the injuries again yeah. here. If the Browns are still kind of somewhat banged up, yeah, I think this could be this a Minnesota a spot. This might be a good Minnesota spot. I gotta. I wanna, Last week was a good Minnesota spot. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know about. I, I. I. It's not a good spot. I would say. I think the I guess, Browns kind of cruised versus the Bears. Yeah. Probably could start thinking about the Vikings second half. I guess I guess it's, I'm under the assumption the Browns are a little more banged up. Um, that might come into play in this game versus the uh, first game, or last yeah. week. 
That's uh, what I'm, I'm I'm undecided on this one. I'm not gonna be. I think the Vikings plus points could be somewhat trappy, especially yeah. following the upset versus the Seahawks. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Colts at Dolphins. Colts plus one. I originally liked the Colts, but I got to rewatch that Colts Titans game for sure. I don't, I don't I don't like either one of these teams at this point in time. Although I feel like the Dolphins are going to keep getting better mm. and the Colts seem to be getting worse. Yeah, this, so, this could be the bottom. Like you could have a, a you know, this happens to 2 to 5 teams every season where the bottom falls out on that year. Like team that was supposed to have 10 wins has 3 wins or you know some mm. some kind of like so the bottom falls out on the season. It looks more and more like, especially because of these injuries, I mean, Colts could end up being one of those teams. Yeah. Um, Giants at Saints. Giants plus seven and a half. I guess it depends on those injuries. If if Giants were going to be fully healthy, I would have... I mean, this line... I could bet Giants I could, fully healthy, yeah. I could bet Giants here, but... If, but really, yeah, you got to look into Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton. I mean, again, those are the quarter, those are the wide receivers that Daniel Jones has the best chemistry with. Uh, and if he's missing both those, then he's reliant on a gimpy, you know, uh, Galladay hmm. behind a bad offensive line and a tough defense on the road. Yeah, no, just can't do it. Yeah. Wonder, are the, where are the Saints playing? Are they playing in Florida again? No, you have to look. You have no. to look at that. Because yeah. um, this is technically a Saints home game. Uh I probably again if you're probably not gonna bet the Saints, but so if I had to pick a side, probably gonna still be the Giants, but mm. I don't want to participate in this. Yeah, that's fair. Um next up, Houston at uh Bills plus seventeen. Man, it's way early for a seventeen. I mean, I personally like the Texans plus seventeen. Ten but days. Mills, I think, is better than the market's pricing him at. Texans defense has been sneaky. Yeah. The Bills, you know, coming off uh, the Bills got we got. I want to look at see who the Bills are playing next week too. They got to be looking past this game. Uh, Bills off a nice, comfy win two weeks in a row. Why show your playbook yeah. versus the Texans? Why do anything more Why? than you have to do than just to just win this game? Get out. Don't want to like. Do you want to lose Stephon Diggs in this game or Josh Allen or Josh Allen? Yeah, I mean like. You know, you don't want to lose any key players in this game. Get in, get the win, get out, mm-hmm. move on. Do what you need to do. You don't need to win by 20. Oh, no, you're right. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm saying, but it's 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 too many. It's just too many points. You can't, there's no way you can take the bills. So it's just ridiculous. Um, Cardinals at Rams. Cardinals plus five and a half. I probably lean cards. Yeah, hey, that's a little bit too many points, especially especially coming off that big win with the with the Rams over the box. Um, and and the cards were in a flat spot going to Jacksonville, and I think probably in Parkers they're looking ahead to the Rams a little bit. Yep. Yep. So yeah, I don't, I don't think there was too much. Again, like I actually like how the Cardinals performed in that game. Again, we're met with adversity. Didn't freak out. Didn't abandon the playbook, kind of stayed steady, did what they had to do, got in, got the win versus a bad team on the road. 
that's against still versus a pro football team move on to the next week and again we're not bullish on the cardinals over the course of the whole season we think that they're gonna kind of progressively get exploited by their teams but at five and a half probably gonna go back to six i'm gonna say uh especially at the six i'll, I'll lean cardinals yeah I, I think so i think the contest it'll stay five and a half ish but yeah um next up seattle at 49ers seattle plus two and a half wow giving russell some margin yeah i guess it depends if it stays under the field goal i think i like the niners if it goes to the field goal then i'll probably just lean the seahawks yeah um i mean but given given that just evaluation i clearly don't have conviction either way yeah 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 Yeah, it's a little bit of like a weird division injury centered game that not sure how to to look at i mean if lockett is out for several weeks i mean again that's a big blow now he's got to start relying on you know dj metcalf who is like kind of like a meathead you know like the dude is big fast but he's not cerebral he's not and quick. that is literally Lockett. Lockett is one of the most cerebral wide receivers in the game hmm. especially again with that just insane chemistry with russell wilson i feel like russell wilson could, could literally play with Lockett with his eyes closed and they could find each other wow it's like a love story um <laughs> Next up, Ravens at Broncos. Like we touched on, Ravens are now plus two. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you can't not give the... I give the Broncos the benefit of the doubt. And especially if the market... Does, like what you said. Yeah. If the market is looking at this game and saying, well, we don't... The Broncos play the three worst teams in the league. We don't know about them. We know about the Ravens. First of all, the Ravens are beat up. The Broncos are pretty... I guess they lost Hamler now um Ooh, and jerry sorry. judy is out so that does hurt that hurts um because so i have to take a closer look at this game but i'm not gonna be one of the betters that just discounts the broncos because they just beat three bad teams mm-hmm. again they beat them decisively so exactly what you would want a good team to do and i don't know that the ravens are good i don't know that i know that they beat the chiefs uh, in like a Super Bowl type affair and lost to the Raiders and should have lost to the Lions. So I don't know how good now they got to go on the road versus a team that could be really good or or maybe is just regular good. Even in the worst case scenario, the Broncos are just regular good. Say they're like mediocre. They still could be just as good as the Ravens. Yeah, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. I like that. I think I might be on Denver now. Um, I think I am you talked yourself off onto <laughs> uh, Pittsburgh at Green Bay. Pittsburgh plus six and a half. Are they bettable? I think it really just comes down to the defensive injuries. Yeah, that's what that's we're gonna have to have to look at. And you know, the Steelers should maybe be going to some sort of one-two quarterback punch. You know, rotating different quarterbacks in, like maybe Dobbs. To your point, you know, who who had looked good in the preseason. And he's the one quarterback like who hasn't really gotten any exposure. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, um, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, not sure I can touch Pittsburgh here. Uh, Tampa Bay at New England. Tampa Bay minus six and a half. It's moved up. It was minus six earlier. Um, 
I, I mean, I, I don't... It's a little... It, it, it feels a, a tad high. But... The assumption is, obviously, Bucks, Brady, going to rebound, stick it to, to the Patriots. Yeah. What I would say is, I don't know, probably not going to bet this game because that is the narrative on this game. That is what is priced and probably, you're probably paying a premium on the Bucks for that. Because if you're betting the Bucks, that's your thesis, right? I mean, so that's more than priced into this line. Yeah. Oh, the other side of the thesis would be Mac Jones versus that Tampa front. But I mean, the, I mean, Tampa's front. I mean, Tampa's defense has not been playing great. So no. Yeah. No, I, I, I. Nah, probably don't don't want to yeah, just pay in this one. Fair. This is a good one. This might be the game of the week. That's a good Monday night game. Raiders at Chargers. Raiders plus three and a half. I think Raiders hmm. are takeable. I think, yeah, definitely, for sure. And, I mean, and if you look at Chargers, I mean, they've had three three close games. Like, yeah, maybe maybe they shouldn't have been close, but they were close. So some, some things in the water. I mean, obviously, like, yeah, they played the Chiefs. Of course, it's going to be close. Um, but maybe maybe that's just kind of Chargers are. They just kind of play tight games and, you know, I don't know. Yeah, no, I think you need to look into this, you know, Chiefs hangover effect mm. as well. You know, when these teams go in, they want to play the Chiefs, they want to play them tough, they want to beat the Chiefs. Like that's, you know, something you can really hang your hat on over the course of the season. And then how prepared are you really emotionally, physically for that next follow-up game? You know, so I think we've seen so far every week that the team that plays the chart, the Chiefs the next week, they don't cover so you know, you've seen the Browns play the Chiefs and the next week the Browns play Texans, no cover. And the Ravens, you know, play the Chiefs and the Ravens play the Lions and they don't cover. You know, and so now we're going to see the Chargers. And, you know, and we've seen that phenomenon happen in the past. You know, again, when a team's kind of going in and giving their all in a particular matchup and, you know, it's just not a great spot the next week for them. Yep. Uh, especially if they're oh, if they're being given the benefit of the doubt, and at three and a half, the Chargers certainly are. I probably expect this to close in the in the at three. Hmm. Yeah, but at three and a half, I think yeah, definitely Raiders looks looks bettable. Yeah. Well, great. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, so I think that's all from us. Any final words or final takeaways from, for uh, week four? Uh, for looking into week four, no, but um, definitely the, so. Once after next week, we're a, almost a quarter through the season and we can start to then really rely on our dashboard and some of our signals that we're building out and lean more into some stats since you, again, no matter what, it's always going to be a small sample size. But again, like relying on stats after one game, two game, even three games, it's just, it's hard. But once you get to the fourth and you got a quarter there, now you can start to discern maybe some patterns. You can start to rely on those stats a little bit more. And, you know, then obviously you want to have to start to project and forecast the evolution of teams over the course of the of the season as well. See how the numbers are, you know, starting to shift and things like that. And um, so, you know, once you get to that week four spot, you know, 
again, your handicapping philosophy, you know, starts to shift as well. Because, you know, I think we were, like we were talking about offline, the first few weeks of the season, we're very reliant on watching the tape, discerning just kind of the fundamental aspects of these teams, how they're operating, their play calling and things like that. Um, and now once we get into the second quarter of the season, you know, we'll start to uh, be building in more and more of the quantitative aspect of, of our handicapping. Yep, for sure. Um, awesome. Well, uh, yeah, tune in, check us out, sign up on the website for, for the, uh, early access slash mailing list. And, uh, yeah, we'll uh, catch you next week. That's closing bell.